As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Paul Sweeney. Join us each day for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. You can also watch the show live on YouTube. Visit the Bloomberg Podcast channel on YouTube to see the show weekday mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern from our global headquarters in New York City. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen. And always on Bloomberg Radio, the Bloomberg Terminal, and the Bloomberg Business App. Let's go over our new digital distribution. We do this for David Kirkpatrick, who is so out front on the new digital. And the new digital for us is simple, folks. YouTube. We're committed to it. Bloomberg Podcasts, we're working on it. We got Ray, Ray YouTube's driving the bus here, but we got like <laughs> 10 people uh, working on it. You're going to see all sorts of podcasts and this, that, and the other thing uh, planned out. We're doing it in a slow, methodical, with great support of Google, I should uh, mention, uh, as well. Apple CarPlay yep. and Android, but mostly Apple. Bloomberg Business App, it's free. You download it. CarPlay's booming. No other way to put it, and it's in 20 other countries. Uh, as well. 12 years ago, he changed journalism in Silicon Valley. Most of it was, oh, breathless. Oh, my God, we had <laughs> lattes and we did this. And he wrote just a real climper, uh, simple, clear book of how in a ranch house out in Silicon Valley, they invented Facebook. Yep. And it was just amazing. The end of the book to make you cry, where Zuckerberg's looking out at the whole new world after all from his driveway. David Kirkpatrick here on the I, NVIDIA effect. Oh David, I am so oh, honored. I remember oh the day. God. I got to be on your show more, Tom. There, I just there's love a, hearing you talk there's about a, that. There's a photo oh of you, me, and Paul Kodrowski where you absolutely nailed the future of Facebook. I think it was the day they went yep. public. Really, really a great moment. We're here with the NVIDIA effect. Thank you. If you were to write the book, what is your NVIDIA effect? That's a great way to ask the question, Tom. I was thinking about how they're really, you know, Facebook, of course, Meta is my longtime expertise. And here we have a company that's really taking a role in the industry that is not dissimilar to the role that Facebook had in, in those days of supercharged, you know, domination and growth. In fact, interestingly, I think, you know, just two weeks ago or so, Facebook gained more in one day than any company ever had when they went up 197 billion, which is hard to say and believe. <laughs> they did that. I suspect that today NVIDIA will go up more than that. Um, so we have these records being just shattered by these companies. Um, it, it, it isn't the same, it's a chip company, but it's interesting. It's also still run by its founder. 
Um, it's a company that, that has its founder has had a long term view the entire time, which he is in extraordinary fashion uh, realizing after 30 years of methodical development um, in a way that's not dissimilar from how Facebook was at the center of the change in global communications as the dominant company in social media. NVIDIA is now increasingly at the center of global, not just communications, but analysis and systems management and computation generally as the central company in the AI revolution in terms of at least dollars. I mean, <clears throat> open AI is out there doing the stuff, but these are the guys making the money. Yeah. Hey, David, you know, first of all, thank you for the notes you sent us this morning. And if you have not yet published them, Please publish them somewhere on your social media. I if, thought those were not as good as my usual. Notes, no, so no. This and I'll tell you what, just because for the average investor who wants to get a little perspective, your simple notes here today are very, very helpful. Um, you know, there are some folks out there, David, that are suggesting that AI could be as big or bigger than the Internet. Can you help us put some yeah. perspective on that? Well, it's, it's not a crazy statement. Um, I think we don't really know how big or even what AI is. Um, it's still at such an early stage of gestation that we are processing in real time. Even Jensen Wang, even Sam Altman are processing in real time what this could be. Um, but there's no question that what we're seeing, and I was actually, this is a point that I didn't put in the notes that is you're teeing up. You know, what happened when the internet came along was the entire industry reconfigured around this new opportunity. And we are seeing something exactly like that now uh, for a much, much, much bigger industry, which is in that, in that sense, even more impressive. You know, we have the, the, the aggregate market cap of this industry is somewhere getting up close probably to $10 trillion. Uh, maybe it's more than that. I haven't done the math, but that's the range we're talking about. You know, at the time the internet came along, the, the tech industry in the most broad definition might have been worth $250 billion, $300 billion. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm a little low there, but it, it was not over a trillion. And, 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 and so, in a sense, it's more important now than the Internet was. If, if it's true that we are entering a new phase of computation and social change based on computation, which is, I essentially think, what we, the way you right. need to think of it, and this is why it's like the Internet, a, a social change based on computation, right. that's what we're going through again now. What's the free lunch on this, David Kirkpatrick? I've been looking at the thermodynamics of this. Everybody knows my view on BitDog. I'm not a fan. I think the thermodynamics of it is, is just bogus. But I don't believe Thank that for you. AI, but I'm ignorant. I mean, we're talking here about a massive infrastructure build out, a massive drag on electricity. It's just too much of a free lunch, David Kirkpatrick. What's the, not the dark side, but what's the cost of this AI boom? Oh, there are so many costs, but again, it's something that nobody yet really fully understands. I mean, it's interesting when you heard this crazy thing of Altman going out, supposedly trying to get seven trillion invested in this arena, you know, which is a ridiculous hyperbolic effort. But it suggests the scale of the resources that are going to be employed here. And um, 
Yes, from an electricity point. You know, one of the reasons Sam Altman is the biggest investor in one of the fusion startups is because Altman believes that without fusion, without nuclear fusion power, we won't be able to affordably get enough power for AI. That's the kind of things that people in the industry are saying. So I actually think, though, it's a two-sided coin, happily, as the internet was in some ways, that we will get tons of social benefit and actually cost savings and efficiencies out of the application of this technology, which is so expensive to run. David, my CEO last year had to be Mark Zuckerberg, the way he reversed around from that debacle. Paul's covered this better uh, than me. What's the Mm -hmm. next step for Mr. Zuckerberg to end the conversation? Well, obviously he's pivoted fully away from the metaverse in the short term. I do think, you know, one thing he's right about, and you know how critical I am of him. I wrote a piece in Time Magazine, which was unbelievably negative on their 20th birthday two weeks ago. Mrs. Zuckerberg but, um, wasn't happy. I called it a tragedy. But, but you know, they also understand augmented reality in the same way that Apple does. And even though they're not going to have devices as good as Apple's, you know, what's going right. to be interesting in this AI era is what the plat- what the interface is going to be. That's one of the key questions that isn't resolved. I think Facebook Meta may actually be positioning itself pretty well for the interface of the AI revolution as they pivoted toward augmented reality through Oculus, et cetera. So it's not about the metaverse. It's about some kind of verse that is AI driven and we're going to have to learn how to interact with it. All of us. David, it's like Kirkpatrick. He's actually aged well. Read the (laughs) Facebook effect. Trust me, folks. It's aged well. It's out in paperback now. The the hardcover is a collector's item like David Kirkpatrick. David, thank you so much. Uh, We look forward to the NVIDIA effect. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more, Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. John Levin joins us. He's a chartered financial uh, analyst as well. And he writes for Bloomberg Opinion and he's written for NVIDIA. And he basically says, America first. Thank you for joining us this morning on this historic day, John. Why is it American first with NVIDIA? Yeah, good, mo- good morning, Tom. Yeah, so my take this morning was, you know, I hear a lot of people saying ah, the U.S. Is, is getting too expensive. Let me take another look at Europe. You know, let me take a look at Japan. And the fact of the matter is, I, nowadays, uh, choices about geographic allocation 
are really kind of like choices about sector and disguise, right? What you're saying when you take a look over at a lot of these these markets is, I want to underweight tech, right? You know, Europe, uh, you're uh, you're like overweighting financials and discretionary. You're overweighting industrials uh, in Japan. If if that's what you're really going for. You can achieve that right here at home, right? You can you can achieve it by going equal weight S and P five hundred, or maybe you take a flyer on some of these unloved sectors here here in the United States. But I I don't get geographic diversification for geographic diversification's <laughs> sake. You know, I'm just looking at at your opinion piece here today, uh, Jonathan, and it just reaffirms something I learned from Tim Craighead, who runs a strategy for Bloomberg Intelligence out of London. I keep saying to Tim, how come the European markets, the UK markets, they're so much cheaper than the U.S.? And he says, numbnuts, it's because we don't really have a tech sector over here. And you back out the tech sector and the market's not, you know, so so cheap here. So for the U.S., I guess you get what you pay for, right, Jonathan? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you know, look... This isn't a, a profound statement, but you know the reason that the U.S. has outperformed the world for the past 15 years is because we have Silicon Valley and because uh, we have uh, the Mag Seven, and so you know our fortunes, our our wagon is hitched to these folks, and uh, if uh, you know the sector starts starts to tumble, uh, you know we can go down too. But in the meantime, we're enjoying uh, we're enjoying all of the upside. Uh, right now, Paul, up 251 Dow points. We're quoting the Dow. Our, our surveillance, yes. uh, Dow Jones Industrial <laughs> Average correspondent, Jonathan Farrow, insists. But on a percentage basis, folks, Dow up six-tenths of a percent. S&P 500 up 1.2 percent. With up 2 percent futures, right now the NASDAQ here four minutes into trading up 1.9 percent. So, Jonathan, you know, is there a concern here, I mean, that maybe there's too much tech in this marketplace, I mean, I kind of think tech has been, you know, it has been, a, you know, the leader for these markets uh, for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And it, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Are you concerned about there's too much concentration in tech? Well, I, I mean, I mean, look, another obvious statement is that, uh, you know, tech is it is very cyclical. You know, we're more susceptible to a downturn or something like this. And, you know, let's face it, like I get I get the hand wringing there is a lot uh tied to for instance a single name right if, if you if you just if you just look at the spread of sell side expectations around uh, around nvidia right like the most bullish call on the street versus the most bearish call on the street can swing the entire uh outcome for the index over the next 12 months by something like four percentage points you know that's that's big for a single uh a single name so i get it but you know at, at the end of the day uh there are other ways to manage risk than, right. uh, than than going abroad. So how do you do that? If skew is so low, that's one of the Greek letters here, folks. Ooh. I'm trying to impress <laughs> Levin here uh, with a little bit of cross-moment analysis. John, it's simple. Does a derivative strategy work? Does hedging work here? Or do you risk missing a boom? Oh, the, the, the old uh, uh, tail hedge, the, those out-of-the-money protective puts? I don't know. I, you know, that's... The, that's uh, I don't want to mis mischaracterize this, but uh, oh, so it's you know, Bloomberg surveillance. We allow you to mischaracterize. <laughs> Continue. But you know, I, I mean, it's sort of it's sort of like the old uh, uh, Mark Spitznagel uh, Universal uh, Universa take. You know, like uh, why bother? Uh, 
diversifying into uh, into the bond market. I guess this was his take back okay. when uh, when bonds were paying one percent. When you could uh, you could just keep enjoying that upside and sell yourself some uh, some protective puts. Right. It's a possi It's a possibility. Do you rebuild? Do you believe in rebuild? I mean, I mean, you're on the dark side with Bloomberg opinion, but I mean, what do you do? You rebuild Nvidia here? You rebuild Microsoft? I don't think so. What do you mean? You uh, sell it out to bring the percentage oh, oh. down in a portfolio. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. So, like, like I said, I think an obvious and very simple strategy here is is you just go equal weight, right? Yeah. All right. But I mean, here, you know, it's, what's interesting in your opinion piece, Jonathan, is that tech stocks are expensive here in the U.S., but they're also expensive in other parts of the world as well. It's just that we have more of them, I guess, is a way to think about it. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, a, a, a very simple uh, and uh, sort of illuminating exercise is, you know, just look at, at forward PEs in U.S. tech versus MSCI World X U.S., it's the same, yep. <laughs> you know. Uh, it's the it's the same exact thing. So if you think that there's a bubble in U.S. tech, right. you're going to find the same thing everywhere else in the world. Have you been to the Fontainebleau Hotel recently? <laughs> We're talking to Belchunas and Greifeld. They spent like a week at the Fontainebleau Hotel. Can't wait to see Were that. Were you part though. of this soiree, John? I was. I, I I was not. I'm not one of these fancy Bloomberg people that hang out over yeah, in <laughs> Miami Beach. I'm like a core Miami guy. I'm on the mainland here, Tom. Jonathan Levin, <laughs> thank you so much. Greatly appreciated. In Miami, uh, they're writing for Bloomberg Opinion. We got a really important conversation coming up here in the Interactive Broker Studios. Uh, with Dana Telsey. This is going to be hugely uh, timely. Really important conversation yesterday. I brought this up earlier, but I'll bring it up again. Tony Capiano yep. has his pulse on what we do with our money. He runs a small hotel shop. It's not Motel Cease, it's Marriott. Marriott. But Marriott's right. way more than Marriott. Yeah, they own like, they, lots of brands. It's like all about the brands. Like Different you brands. say, what do, they, what do they not own? Maybe you got a clear And picture. you were lobbying for a choice hotel suite in, in Paris, Paris for the Olympics, yeah. and yeah. I got nowhere with them. We'll see. I think he's I working on it. I tried to bribe him, but, you know. <laughs> Anyways, his insight, which goes to Dana Telsey's world at the Telsey Advisory Group, is they misjudge luxury. Yeah. And what he said is luxury is just killing it. So let's take a given luxury stock. This is Louis Vuitton. It's the Arnaud family. <laughs> And there's this gloom and Dana saying, stop it. Don't give me this China. We're all going to die stuff. Since the middle of January, Luce Vuitton, LVMH, <laughs> has a pop of 28%. Dana Telsey, with their luxury the rest of the year in retail. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Well, give me, give me LVMH and luxury and the rest of it. Is that where you want to be in retail? I mean, I think the luxury, particularly LVMH, is where you want to be in retail. And the reason why you want to be there in retail is because the brands that they own, the innovation and creativity that they have, look at their distribution that they have, and they basically, when you think about Sephora, right. all the way up to whether it's wines and spirits or to whether it's jewelry, they have brands that people want to own and want to buy. And let's not forget, right. this is also the year of the Paris Olympics, and they're a sponsor of those Paris ah. Olympics. I mean, I, I look, Dana, what's, first of all, Dana, on Sephora, can you have Sephora pay cash to teenagers to throw out one-third of the bottles in their bathroom <laughs> so then they'll buy more Sephora? 
I think that would be only a re- if, yes, only if they'd buy more at higher oh, yeah. prices. And there you go. They got to do that, and they will do that. We know that. Dana, I'm, I'm luxury here, and it's critical. Can you make money in luxury? gaming the fashion designers. I say this with the Beyond Fabulous, the new look with Coco Chanel and Christian Dior. Have you seen it on Apple TV, Dana? Do you love it? Yes, I have. Yep, (laughs) it looks terrific. Looks terrific. Can you game, can you make money in luxury based on gaming this designer or that designer? It's a little harder to do. I think when you have something like, and the reason why, take a look at Gucci. You can't bet on the designers. Look what Kering basically doesn't have the same stable of designers that LVMH has when you're operating 75 brands. So I don't necessarily think you could bet on one designer or another designer. I think it's the health of the brand. And some brands are even more illustrious than just the designer themselves. Look at Hermes. You don't know who the designer is, but doesn't everyone want anything (laughs) Hermes makes? Hey, Dana, you know, I want to ask you about the Chinese consumer. When we talk about luxury, that just seems to be one of the key, key variables. And I'll walk home here to the Penn Station today, and I'll walk down Fifth Avenue, I'll walk down Madison Avenue, and I'll see a a ton of, of European tourists. I'm not seeing many Chinese tourists here, and I know how critical they are to some of those big shops there on Madison and Fifth. Talk to us about the Chinese consumer. Where is he or she? I think they're staying local. I think they're staying in China. I don't think they're traveling as much as they had in the past. You're absolutely right. You're not seeing them. I am seeing a little bit more Europeans. I think that they're spending also, whether it's on vacations or or other in, in going going things and having experiences rather than just some of the goods. Mm-hmm. So it's spending on local brands. It's spending on experiences. And almost every single luxury house has mentioned the impact of that Chinese consumer. When they come back is anyone's guess, but it is incumbent upon every luxury brand to continue to drive the most innovation and continue to update and enhance their stores in China in order to remain relevant. Interesting. All right, let's back away from luxury, get to where I tend to tend to traffic here with the, the regular folk here. Just talk to us about the U.S. consumer here. What are you seeing you know, coming out of the holiday season, kind of plowing into spring season, what, what are you seeing from the U.S. consumer? I think overall, you can use the words discerning, cautious, choiceful. They're definitely, choiceful. whatever you want to call it, they're definitely more careful about their spending, whether it's discretionary or essentials. We all saw Walmart's announcement the other day and their sales, and they reported very strong holiday results with momentum exiting the business. With You look at their U.S. trends with a comp of 4%. I think there's a trade down that's happening. And you're seeing that trade down. Even look at the off-pricers, whether it's TJX, Burlington, or Ross yeah. stores. Anytime their same-store sales are above 3%, I always think they get the benefit of the trade down. They were that way in the third quarter when they begin reporting next week. I think we're going to see that again. If you're with us on Bloomberg Surveillance, Dana Telsey, the Telsey Advisory Group here on YouTube, Bloomberg Podcast. Thank you. Live chat there. Having fun with that today. HHH. Good morning. And also on Apple CarPlay. We're out there uh, with the Bloomberg Business app. It's free. Sign up for Apple CarPlay. Uh, Dana, I don't want to catch you unawares here, but you're such a trooper. I'm going to go there. I drove by Nordstrom's the other day. This is a 10-year track record of negative 7% per year. What in God's name did they do with that iconic Western brand? What does Nordstrom do to salvage itself? 
I think overall one of the things that they need to do is, if you think about what Nordstrom was, it it appealed to a upper middle income consumer with very good brands, had inventory in stock, and what was the defining element of Nordstrom? Service. That you can go in there and establish relationships, and that service element was there. I think the full line stores are missing some of that magic, and I think the focus has been on the rack. And I think some of the brands that they've put into their mix weren't the same as who that upper middle income consumer is. There's work to be done. And look at what you've seen at Bloomingdale's. Bloomingdale's has had strength. You haven't seen the strength at Nordstrom Hmm. full-line stores. Strength. Lisa Mateo walks across the street, goes across 59th, turn right, and there's that alley at Bloomingdale's, the bag alley. Yes. You run a gauntlet there. It's the Telsey gauntlet you run at Bloomingdale's. You never get to the other side without dropping two, three grand. Dana Telsey, we're out of time. Don't be a stranger. Just love it. Dana Telsey there, uh, just really, with Joe Feldman, really just running terrific uh, retail analysis. Nobody ever says, make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs, to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Your daily look at the front pages around the world. Lisa, start. What do we got? I mean, I thought there was a plethora of choices. Yeah, today. there's there's a lot going on. This one I thought was interesting um, for a take on companies still doing business in Russia. It was from the Financial <coughs> Times. They had an interview with the CEO of Mondelez, and he said that the company's own shareholders they didn't pressure it to leave Russia after its invasion of Ukraine. And its largest shareholders are people like Vanguard, BlackRock, Capital uh, Capital Group as well. Um, he said companies yeah. continue to do business in Russia, including Nestle, Unilever as well. Really? So there's other companies doing it. Critics, you have them out there. They're saying that the invasion, it's funding the invasion. Um, he said that those who left <clears throat> Russia left their assets right. to friends of Vladimir Putin. So you have both sides of it there. And, and we're talking new sanctions off of this tragic death. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But the, I, I don't yeah, think they've been announced yet. The reporting I've seen, you know, it's just the sanctions have right. had an impact, but really not so much. We got to do a disclaimer right. here, of course, as Lisa mentions, Mondelez International, uh, they provide us with Tang. Really? Yeah, just so you know. Just, it's a disclaimer there. Thank you. <laughs> you got it. Uh, I want to take you over to New York Times, Washington Post. Big space expedition. See, I didn't okay. Know this. Yes, Odysseus. It is expected to touch down on the moon today, 5 30 p.m. Eastern. The company behind it, Intuitive Machines, they are looking to land in a spot south of the polar region. Um, and if all goes well, here's the thing it's going to be the first U.S. moon landing in more than 50 years. 
Thank you. I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> like, I, I love the space program. I love kind of what we do. But haven't we been there, done that? I, you know, it's like we landed on the. Moon? Haven't we already done that? I just, it just seems odd here. I, I, I read um, the, the you know the, the space shuttle program. I'm like, now what right. do we do? Ramachandra Gua has a great essay out two three days ago in Foreign Affairs about the state of India, Modi, and all that. I really recommend it, folks. It's a very quick, brilliant primer on where Mr. Modi is, and he mentions in there India's participation in lunar flight, lunar landing and that. And it's a, you know, I, I remember as a kid the heated debates over why are we doing this? Why are we, it's never gone away. Well, and we were talking in the newsroom and they were saying Gen Z doesn't believe that we landed on yes. the moon. <laughs> okay, that's a conversation you missed, Tom. In the newsroom this morning, Samantha, who is the representative of Gen Z, yes. one of our intrepid producers here, says a lot of her cohorts in Gen Z believe that the whole Apollo thing, scam. I tell I mean, you. They didn't get up at three in the morning to watch he the lunar silent. You thing. have silenced him. Can you, Rich, can you see if we can get Tom Hanks on? Yes. We got an effort, Mr. Hanks. Mr. Hanks was, was the guy who wrote the intro oh. to the Metropolitan Museum of Art's 50th anniversary of landing on yep. the moon. Apollo if you're 13. sitting in the basement and your father hands you a little plastic thing and it's got moon rock and dust in it, you sort of go, okay, this is a fraud. No, I don't think so. No. And I should point out a lot of people died trying to yep. make that effort long ago and far away. We spent way too much time on that quickly. <laughs> the next newspaper <laughs> the story. Science exploration. Uh, this one is about working grads. They are in <clears throat> jobs that don't use their degrees. A new oh, study says about man. half of them. And it's a big problem on their earnings, their career paths, and it's really adding some more fuel to that debate whether the value of a college education because the rising yeah. cost of an yeah. education. So here's what that study showed. It showed of the graduates in non-college <clears throat> level jobs a year after leaving, the vast majority remained underemployed a decade later. So those who graduated you know, with, 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 with a job in something that they didn't study, continue to stay in that area for, for another yep. 10 years. Um, and it says that usually college level jobs, they earn 90% more than people with just a high school diploma, but underemployed college graduates, those who take the positions not in their right. degree, they earn 25% more. So you see the difference there from 90 to 25%. Yeah, this is really good research. And, and I grew up in a family where a lot of the jobs were not what they studied in school. Mm -hmm. My mother was very big on was educated at, you know, wherever. Right. And, and the answer is today you've got this disease of people going into college degree programs where there's little opportunity for jobs out there. And that's how you get that 90 to 20 differential. Well, I think I, what I find odd having... Uh, and, and folks, wait, 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 wait. Yep. Folks, Paul Sweeney is God. His children are employed. <laughs> yes. Continue. What I find odd is kids come into college and... The expectation is that they already have their major decided. They don't know squat. No, they don't. I mean, it's, I didn't even think about a major till late my sophomore right. year, and that's when you pick your major because you don't know anything. Joseph Frescona, great, great business law giant, wore a bow tie, small yep. matter. There you go. I had a course three two beer in my hand, <laughs> and he said to me, "Tom, if you don't change your major three times, you didn't go to college." Right. Wow. I changed my major three times. Did you really? Yeah, I went from hockey was it oh, okay. to JV tennis back to hockey. It was great. <laughs> what else? Do you have? I this is my favorite too. story. Yeah, yeah. This, this might okay, be. the corporate jets. Yes. yes. The IRS oh, is cracking God. down on the See, personal Bob use Bragg's of it. Think about the surveillance. See, Gulfstream. It is. Yep. What are you going to do about is it? Destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Saint Lacroix. So th- usually you can use it to get that deductible, right? But they say they're abusing it for the tax breaks. No. So they're going to get dozens of audits in the spring. A lot of across different industries. They're starting with corporations, and they could shift to individual audits where they need could to. Be. Yes, it could yeah. switch that way. We're, you know, I mean, Pharaoh. I mean, he's yep. hit every damn island off the coast of Italy. Yep. With the Gulf Stream, he goes into Naples. I think is where you learn. Of course, learn, and then take the boat around from there. But I'll drive I mean, down to I the mean, Jersey Shore. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, these fancy people. Seriously, they live on these planes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you couldn't leaving the the uh, uh, Super Bowl in Vegas. A lot of people couldn't go to the next day because they couldn't get a slot to leave on yeah, Sunday. But so, but they you know. like. But Paul, am I off the mark? They literally live sure. on. The and I know jets. I know a, a couple of buddies of mine. They sold their company for a lot of money, and they put a big chunk of that aside to fund their private aircraft use for the rest of their life. They said, if we lost everything else, that'd be fine. We cannot lose our corporate aircraft. I moved somebody in the family from economy <laughs> wow. up to business class today. I figured it was a pretty good day, and she, I didn't ask what it was going to cost. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast, bringing you the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. You can also watch the show live on YouTube. Visit the Bloomberg Podcast channel on YouTube to see the show weekday mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern from our global headquarters in New York City. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen. And always on Bloomberg Radio, the Bloomberg Terminal, and the Bloomberg Business App. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.